Welcome to The Forge, the official podcast of Blacksmith Ministries. Podcasts have played a crucial role in the development of my spiritual life, and I pray these messages will do the same for you. My sincere desire is that these messages will awaken a passion for Jesus inside of you. Today's episode is called 99 Sheep. Last night I had the privilege and opportunity to go with a ministry team to a local correctional facility here in Hamilton to minister. Uh, it was about seven people. We had ministry students. We had a local pastor. We went into the correctional facility, and we had a ball, man. We had some church up in there. They have a prison worship team, which is incredible. They've grown to about 11 different men. They can play music. It is fantastic. It is just, it's church. It's no different. Every time we go in the correctional facility, we don't call them inmates. We don't call them prisoners because these men are born again. They have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They are brothers in Christ, and they deal with shame and guilt and hopelessness on a, on a level that we cannot imagine. So we go to in there to encourage and to strengthen, but I, <laughs> every time I go in there, they encourage me. You know, I go in there to try to strengthen their faith. They strengthen my faith. What I love about it is every time one of the men get released, another man gets brought in about the same time with a similar calling than the man that was released. So they just had a gentleman that had a fantastic voice. He was the worship leader. He could play the guitar like nobody's business. He just recently got released. And another man got moved to the camp with a very similar anointing. He can play the guitar, man. He sounds like Led Zeppelin. He can just flat out play. It's just a great time. We love going there. Uh, last night, the local pastor finished the message, and he said, Richard, how do you want to end it? I was like, let's do a joy tunnel. He just talked about joy, and then morning, joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So we did a joy tunnel. All the ministry students, the pastor now, just laid hands on all the men, imparting joy, declaring joy, the joy of the Lord is their strength. There was so much life going on. At the end of the service, one of the worship leaders came up to me, and he he was asking me if I could pray for him. He said, I've had the most horrible week. He said he's so discouraged. He'd been accused of all these things he didn't do. He's like, man, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm burning for the Lord, and all of these things are happening. And I was like, congratulations. That's very encouraging. He's like, no, Richard, you didn't hear me. It's discouraging. I was like, no, I heard you. It's very encouraging when you're attacked by the enemy. He's like, what? I was like, do you remember when we watched football? We watch our favorite football team, Roll Tide, the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. When they're on defense, their defense surrounds the player that's moving the ball against them. So if there's a running back that can run the ball against them, they'll bring extra players up to the line of scrimmage to try to stop the runner. If there's a wide receiver or a tight end that's just lighting them up, they will double cover that wide receiver, the tight end, they'll bring in extra defensive backs. I said, have you ever seen a defensive player run out of bounds and hit somebody sitting on the sidelines? He's like, no. I said, have you ever seen them go after somebody at the water cooler on the sidelines? He's like, no. I was like, the principle is the same in the kingdom of heaven. Whenever we're moving the ball, whenever we're advancing the kingdom, that's where the enemy attacks. I was like, oh. And it's like the demeanor on his face completely changed. I said, as hard as it is to endure the accusations and the oppression, I said it's actually very complimentary if you can see it correctly. 
And he's like, wow. I never thought of that. That's awesome. Today, I'm driving home from work. I get a phone call from a person very close to me, a very dear friend. This person has been going to a spirit-filled church for years. This person, my friend, loves their church. Whenever we talk on the phone, they're, they're in another state. They're always telling me about the church services, how they're so filled with life, how the worship is crazy, how the presence of God, the manifest, tangible presence of God comes in there. People can feel God literally. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Miracles are happening. A sign of a healthy church is when all age groups are engaged. The youth are run down to the altar during worship services, and they're engaged. The young adults are thriving and growing. The seniors are growing. And they're, my, my friend is so encouraged, so just lit up on fire for Jesus when my friend tells me about their church. Over the summer, the pastor and the leadership team of my friend's church decided they want to go after the unchurched, the people that don't attend church on a regular basis. We don't know if they have a relationship with Jesus. We don't know if they believe in God. So they did a series called At the Movies. There's quite a few churches that did this over the summer where they would tailor their messages after pop culture movies to attract people that don't attend church. And my friend was heartbroken because so many people stopped going to church. So many of the church members stopped going during these services. They would walk in and walk out. They were like, I can't believe we're doing this. They would have meetings with the pastors. They were so disgruntled and critical. And our hearts were just so grieved by what happens like this. And immediately the Lord brought me to Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep. I want to read this really fast. Luke chapter 15, I'll start in verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, This man, this man being Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. How dare he? So he, he being Jesus, spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, no less, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home... He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Why does Jesus leave the ninety-nine sheep for one if he has ninety-nine? It's for love. Jesus loves us. He loves us so much that he would give his own life for us. The Bible declares in Romans chapter 5 that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, that's when Christ came. It's not when we were in relationship with him. That's when he came for us is when we were lost. It's for love. Second Peter 3 verse 9 says, For God is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but he's long-suffering. He suffers long for us. He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He does not desire that anybody would not know him. That's why he leaves the ninety and nine for the one 
It's for love. Why does it seem, though, that when Jesus leaves the 99 for the one, that the 99 get upset? Like, when these messages at church services go after the unchurched, the people that don't know God, the people that have not experienced the love of Jesus, the people that have not been transformed from darkness to light, that have life, the life of God living in them, why do we tend to get upset? Why do we complain? Why do we get critical? Why do we say, what about us? As I was even discussing this with another friend, after I had this conversation with my dear friend, we were just bent up about it, man. And my friend told me this. It's because we've lost our first love. Oh, oh. oh it's for love that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. But it's because we lose our first love that the 99 become critical. It's all about love. How how do we leave our first love? How do we become critical about Jesus? How do we how do we become complainers? How do I mean, when we first get saved, most of us have this radical transformation. I'll never forget being a policeman in Virginia, and I've been witnessing to one of my friends who wasn't saved. And he received Jesus, man. It was night and day. He was on fire. Every time I talked to him, he he just you, he couldn't contain himself. He was on fire. I love those radical transformations. Three years later, you don't even know him going to church. Like, what happens to people that are so on fire for God? And then after time, either through circumstances or through pain or through trials or temptations, what have you, people tend to fall away what happens is we lose our first love and when we lose our first love we tend to get critical and we we tend to complain and we tend to think it's all about us and 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 I'm thinking I would be a fool if I didn't think that could happen to me and that's what I was telling my friend at the gym last night after all of these conversations after the ministry service at the uh, prison, after talking to my friend back in another state, all of these conversations like, Lord, don't let it happen to me. I don't want to lose my first love. I don't want to be one that complains. I don't want to walk into a church service and it's tailored for somebody that doesn't know God and then I sit there and complain. No, I want to be the one. I want to be one of the 99 that is so burning in love with Jesus that when he decides to leave the 99, in Luke 15 it says he leaves them in the wilderness. When I see him going after the one, I want to rejoice. I don't want to wait till he comes back with him, the sheep around his neck, to rejoice. I want to rejoice when he leaves because I know that his heart is burning for them. And I know what it's like for my heart to burn and I want to stay burning. I don't want to receive Jesus and have a burning heart and then lose it. I want to stay burning. When we have a burning heart, when we have first love, we will see Jesus leave the 99 and we will rejoice. We see Jesus go after the one. We will begin to intercede that that person receives Jesus. This is what we must do. We must remain in first love. And I know it's it sounds pie in the sky and sounds all great. And where are the unicorns and the rainbows? And 
But it's true. We can stay in first love. We don't have to burn out. I know it. it's very easy to burn out. It's very easy to get critical. It's easy to complain. It's easy to get self-focused and thinking that the services are all about us. But friends, listen to me. We've got to remain in first love. We've got to keep the heart soft and tender before the Lord. We've got to remain in first love so that we don't become critical. The Pharisees, when you were even reading about this in Luke 15, where Jesus is addressing those who are complaining. Luke 15, 2, it even says in the Pharisees and scribes, they complained. When we complain, it's a good sign that we've lost our first love. How do we stop from becoming Pharisees when Pharisees, when they were started, they were burning in first love? The Pharisee sect started after the Jewish people were taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years because they lost their first love. They forgot their God. They they turned to idols and they went into harlotry and they did all of these unbelievable sinful things. The people of God lost their first love. So when they were released from captivity, the Pharisee sect was um, birthed so they could remind the children of Israel not to leave their first love. But over time, the Pharisees the ones who were designed to remind the children not to leave the first love, left their first love. And when we leave our first love, we can't see when God is moving. The Pharisees, the ones who were trained, the scholars who knew the Torah, who knew Scripture, the ones they should have been able to recognize Jesus for who he was, because they lost their first love, they couldn't see him. But blind Bartimaeus, who couldn't see, knew who Jesus was. Prostitutes, who were not trained in the Torah and the Scripture, they could see who Jesus was because they lost, they didn't lose their first love. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. And we've got to remember what He has done for us. Friends, I just want to encourage us that if we think that we can't lose our first love, we would be naive and foolish. But if we recognize that that temptation is there, here's how we maintain first love. Here's how we can become the 99 that rejoice even before Jesus returns with the, with the sheep around his shoulders. We want to rejoice when he leaves after him because we know what it's like to be found. This is how we stay in first love is we are intentional. My wife and I have been married for 22 years, and I love her more now than I did when I first met her. And when I first met her, it was love at first sight. But I have never lost my love for her. I love her with all of my guts. We are intentional about spending time and communicating. I love her. And this is how we stay in first love, is we treat her just like a marriage. We spend time together. I love spending time with her, even though when she makes fun of me for watching Star Wars or the Avengers and she just <laughs> laughs or we're watching an Alabama game and she'll root against me. It's just fun. We spend time together. This is how we keep first love. This is how we keep the embers hot in our heart for Jesus. We spend time with him every day in prayer and worship and reading the word Every single day we're intentional about time. This is how we remain in first love. Even in the book of Revelation, 
Jesus says that you have lost your first love, that you have become lukewarm. When we begin to complain about what God is doing in others, that is a sign that we have lost our first love. Friends, let's be those 99 sheep that don't wait for him to return with a sheep around his neck to rejoice, but let's rejoice when he leaves us to go after that one. Let us be so burning in first love that we are interceding for him to receive Jesus because we remember what it was like to receive him at first, but we don't have to, ever have to forget it can be brand new every day. The Bible says that His mercies, they are new every morning. We can experience God. We can experience Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the three-in-one God, the triune God. We can experience them new every morning. I just want to encourage us to not lose our first love. Let's be those 99 sheep that are always rejoicing. Hallelujah. Friends, if this has blessed you, it blesses me. Man, I just want to check my heart. That was This whole two days has just been a heart check for me to maintain that soft, tender heart before the Lord, to seek Him, to pursue Him, to know Him every day. I just want to finish with a prayer. Father, I ask for the grace, for the heart pursuit to stay in first love. We want to be those 99 sheep that rejoice when one comes home. In Jesus' name. Friends, I love you. God bless you. I look forward to the next time we're together. Amen.